welcome to the MPU. It's the Macaw Podcast Universe. You've heard about it. All your friends are talking about it. Everybody's buzzing like a bee. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where we go through franchises, sequels, anything that has over three movies in it. And we just discuss it and we talk about how it works, whether we like it, whether we don't. All that jazz. Period. Period. That's the story. No, exclamation point. Yeah. And this is um, the second movie in Mad Max series, in the Mad Max series. Called Road Warrior. Well, kind of. Okay. So, I mean, this is a great transition right away. Because the movie, the like Australian title, because these are Australian movies, is Mad Max 2. But uh, it was released in the U.S. as the Road Warrior, and then later it just becomes Mad Max 2 colon the Road Warrior. Because the, the studio, let's see, Mad Max did not receive a proper release from distributor American International Pictures. Um, because AIP was in the final stages of the change of ownership after being bought by Filmways Inc. a year earlier, and that affected the release of Mad Max. And so uh, it sounds like when the sequel happened, they just downplayed the fact that it was a, a sequel so that people who hadn't seen Mad Max 1 would still oh, come right. to the theaters. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, Did you, I explain you, that? you okay. actually had told me that. Well, yeah, but does, would that make sense to the listener? Phone in. Yeah, we... Uh, Tell us now. <laughs> do we have someone on the line right now? Just kidding. That's more of a comedy bang bang, but we're not going to go there. Um. Yeah, so um, this movie is very good right off the bat. Yes. I'm, I said it last night as the movie's going, and I'm going to stand by it. Of the eight, This is the eighth movie that we've covered on this podcast. I think this is the best movie of the eight. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think it, so. I mean, there's there's uh there's some st- there's some fluff and there there's a little lag in it. I mean, it's not well, perfect. Well, it's pretty it's pretty dated for being a movie that takes place in a post-apocalyptic future. Yeah, but I mean, it's just it's too interesting to me. Yeah. To not be the best. Cuz I mean, you might be like, but you guys covered Iron Man or you covered Captain America. It's like those are solid movies. We we like those movies, but I mean they're but not. They're just they're missing one thing, Mel Gibson and a cool Australian blue healer. Yep. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna hop in. Okay. You ready to get in the pool with me? Okay. The pool of movies. Okay. This is so. This movie comes out May 21st in 1982. It's directed by George Miller, who directed the. He's directed all of them. Uh, produced by Byron Kennedy, producer of the last one. Um, screenplay, Terry Hayes. Uh, he also did Payback, which is another um, Mel Gibson movie. That one you said is good? I remember it being good. It's a movie that has, um, as far as I know, there's like the theatrical version that everyone says is really bad. And then okay. there's the director's cut where it's really good. Yeah. It's one of those movies that has the weird uh, both both issues, you know? turning up my mic one hit um and then he also did from hell which is that johnny depp movie yes uh and he did thunderdome which is the next mad max movie uh george miller also did the screenplay and then brian hannant also he's done a lot of documentary stuff this has the same composer as the last movie brian may not from queen 
not from Queen. Uh, then you also got cinematographer Dean Semler, who goes on to do Apocalypto. Oh. Uh, Wait, he, cinematographer, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Dances with Wolves, Sandy Wexler, The Do-Over, The Ridiculous Six. Okay. Kind of weird. Um, it's it, I, I always find cinematographers are so interesting, their um, filmography. Yeah. Because it's not like... Um, it's not like an actor where you're like, well, this actor does action movies, and then sometimes they go out of bounds, or, or uh, you know, a producer, they, you know, Jason Blum does all these horror movies. Yeah, a, a cinematographer can do like a horror movie and a romantic comedy in the same year, and then the next year do like two sci-fi movies, and then it's just well, yeah, and their their job is just to to find what the movie should look like. Yeah, so they're they're probably one of the like the most flexible part of uh, the movie industry. Yeah, because they're they're the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty weird because um, what was the that we were watching that Tony Gilroy movie, uh, Buzzsaw, Velvet Buzzsaw, Velvet Buzzsaw, and they had um I don't remember who the cinematographer was, but he did Nightcrawler, and he he's like one of the best cinematographers, and that movie looked horrible. It looked like a TV movie. Yeah, and I I don't know. I wish I knew a little more about cinematography because what's that conversation like? Hiring someone that good and then making it look like a CW show? Yeah. That's confusing to me. Yeah. Um, so box office wise, um, the budget of this movie, any swings at a guess? No. All right. Because <laughs> I forget what the first one was. I do too. So the budget is $4.5 million. Oh, wow. That's significantly more than the first one. I just know that yeah. much. Because I, I think the first one was like one. Or maybe even less. I thought it was less than a million. It, it might have been in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and but in Australia, the movie makes ten point eight million, and then in the U.S. and Canada, it makes twenty three point seven. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna say that's a big success. Yeah. So before the movie was made, though, we got George Miller, our guy. Uh, he was offered to make First Blood, Rambo: First Blood, after making Mad Max. Which one is that one? That's the first Rambo movie. Oh, okay. So he was offered to make, which is a big, that Whoa. makes sense. Like they see yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. how cool that is. And then- um, Do you know who did that one? Who did Rambo? Off, off the top of my head, no. Okay. Um, which, which is another way of saying no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, then he went on to work. He, so then after Mad Max, he's try, he was trying to make this movie called Rock, uh, Roxanne, which is a rock and roll movie. The song Roxanne? I, well, I think- much like a, well, I'm sure that there's something there. Yeah, I I don't know. It I bet was there was never a, light, a red light in it, or there would have been. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to put on the red light. Oh, I guess there might not have been one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, so he he was working on that, didn't come through. Um, and then he worked with Terry Hayes on a novelization of Mad Max. And after Roxanne was shelved, Miller became more interested in returning to the world. Cool. Um, he was very inspired by the work of Akira Kurosawa, who's the guy who did Seven Samurai. The, okay. Um, I believe Japanese director. Okay. Who did a lot of those old um, um, martial arts movies that, weirdly enough, become kind of the template for westerns in America. Because a lot of the western, the directors of western movies are really influenced by Akira Kurosawa. Hmm. I didn't know um, that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, because especially like Seven Samurai is a movie where there's um, a village being terrorized by these people, and then um, they hire Seven Samurai to help them defend 
Yeah. Which then gets remade into The Magnificent Seven. And then um, there's a couple of sequels. And then they even remade Magnificent Seven a few years ago. And it's kind of like, yeah, I think he's a big influence on Western movies. Hmm. Like we- country Western movies. Um, Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is very cool. It's just because, too, like Westerns seem like they're the most American of movies. But as we all know, we're a big old melting pot over here. Yep. So, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird because um, you can kind of trace that to Japan, really. Yeah. And I'm, you could probably go even further back. I guess back. they really are the most imperialist of us all. Wow. <laughs> um. I wish you could see Jordan's face. That she kind of, she kind of like. <laughs> little, it's like something else took over her body, and she disappeared. I'd for call a little it bit. the Tim Heidecker look. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is kind of a quote about George Miller setting the table for Mad Max Two, which is um, in the first story, Max was transformed from a relatively normal man to a monster character, which is where he started the second film. But by the end of it all, he senses a new order. Um. He said making Mad Max was a very unhappy experience for him. The first one? Yes, and there was a strong pressure to make a sequel, and he felt he could do a better job with a second movie. We're talking about who? That's George Miller. So. Oh, okay. I thought I was thinking Mel Gibson. Yeah. Okay. I, um, original cut was much more bloody and violent. Uh, <laughs> Although last night I said, is this the most violent movie we've seen? Yeah, it's violent in a different way. Because it's not that bloody. I've just you know, never seen that many people get run over by a car. Yeah, no, no, I'm agreeing with you. But I'm saying, like, uh, to a viewer, they might be like, I thought these guys have seen uh, Kill Bill, yeah. which is, like, way more violent, but there's, like, a cartoonish element to it. Yeah, yeah, it's highly stylized. Yeah, and this is highly stylized, but since it's all, like, real stunts and there's no special effects um, digitally, it's a little bit more shocking. Yeah. it's It's that same feeling when you're watching... Mission Impossible, and you see Tom Cruise jump over a building and break his ankle, and you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Which, oh man, I can't wait to do Mission Impossible. Me neither. Um, but it'll be a little while. We'll wait. Guys, we'll wait. Um, so it was much more bloody, and it was cut down by Australian censors. Um, entire scenes were deleted to receive an M rating. U.S. cut down on two scenes as well. There, And then there is no completely unedited version of the film that exists. Anymore. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. So yeah. they just deleted them. I guess. Oh. It would be so cool if one day, though, like George Miller was like, I've been sitting on this for a while. Here's the un- uncut, like two hour version of um, The Road, Road Warrior. Warrior. Or he, maybe he would just say Mad Max 2, as we have discussed he earlier. He is Australian. Um, Mel Gibson has 16 lines of dialogue in this movie. Yep. Awesome. It's great. Awesome. It, it, it uh, What's the word for that? It just makes him more of a mythical being. He's like he's like a he's like a folklorish character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, did you say mythic already? Mythical. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Max to re- for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's it's kind of like um, I mean I think we if we wanted to try hard we could probably find things about this movie that we don't like. Um. But I think just about everything that is not that I would say I don't like, I could probably within a minute find out a reason why it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I really love this movie. Uh, so the tanker roll stunt at the end of the chase 
So so at the end of the movie, I mean, we're going to get to it when we kind of discuss the movie, but Mad Max is, um, <laughs> he's driving this tanker full of oil, which we find out later is not the case, to, to be a diversion away from all of the all of the bad guys, and the tank crashes into a car head first. The car obliterates mm-hmm. into a million pieces, and then the oil tanker rolls. And this is so unbelievable. It was deemed so dangerous, dangerous that the stunt driver was not allowed to eat any food 12 hours before they shot in the likely event that he, he would be rushed into surgery. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> was he okay? It didn't say anything about him, him like getting in trouble or like, it didn't say anything about him getting hurt. Um, but, oh my god! But they were kind of like, we better make sure that if he's, if something bad happens, because I mean he's crashing headlong and then it's rolling. I mean maybe the crashing headlong wasn't a head tough on. Stunt, you keep saying headlong. It's head on. Am I saying headlong? <laughs> yeah. In my head, I'm saying head on. I didn't. <laughs> that is weird. Um. But that is so bonkers. That's nuts, man. Yeah. I'm surprised that, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen anything about anyone dying in either of these two movies. So far, it seems like someone would have died. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of cool. Um, there's reasons for Max's strange and mismatched outfit. His right arm of jacket missing. Arm was run over by a bike in Mad Max. And medics would have cut the sleeve off rather than pull it over a damaged limb. Um, squeaky leg brace, a kneecap shot through in the previous movie. Um, harness with spanners and other objects dangling off it for running repairs on his interceptor. First two fingers of each driving glove missing. Easier insertion and retrieval of shotgun shells from his sawed-off shotgun. Yep. Kind of cool. I mean, that attention to the detail is why um, why they, these movies are so cool. Part of the reason, because it's such a world-building experience you know i was i was thinking about like the costumes of everyone yeah and obviously they don't have a huge budget for costumes they're spending it all But why should they like people are literally wearing football pads but it's a post-apocalyptic world that's what i was gonna say they have to and i was gonna say like the football pads um they look kind of cheesy but if you want a little protection what else are you gonna wear it's like you're not gonna find armor in a post-apocalyptic world right so it's actually a really that's the kind of thing where you're like they had armor yeah and that's the kind of thing where you could go well that's really dumb and then you think about it a little bit and you go actually that's kind of a cool touch yeah to the movie um and then finally this is my last thing and then you can jump in the movie was shot in sequence oh wow which for the listener if you don't know this um a lot of times almost it's very rare that a movie is shot sequentially because you might watch a movie and you see that maybe the main character's in his bedroom throughout the movie, but in different times, they usually shoot all of that together. Yeah. Because then they're done with that set, and then they move on. It, it that makes the shooting process faster, and also, especially if you have a, a movie with a lot of different actors mm-hmm. who are probably involved in a lot of different things outside of this one movie, they have to schedule to get mm-hmm. certain people done before other people. Yeah. With, Would so. not want that job. No. No, uh, it's a nightmare, I'm sure. Yeah. Also, you know, Inglorious Bastards is shot sequentially. Is that tr- so? Which is kind of crazy because... That is crazy. It's told in chapters like many, like most Quentin Tarantino movies, but uh-huh. a lot of the actors are in it at different times. Like, 
30 like here's 15 minutes or here's one actor and then it doesn't take we don't see him again for another 20 minutes in the movie yeah and it's like how long did it when did he just go back home did he stay right, on right. set for for a month it's i mean weird that is wild but uh i think the helpful thing with tarantino though at least that movie in particular is it's it's kind of set up like a play almost yeah so it's like a chapter can take place or it'll have like a big scene where one char- like four characters are together but it's like 25 minutes of the movie yeah 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 you know so right. so it's like a lot of shooting so it actually probably even makes more sense that they shoot that sequentially yeah and like sense. when they get to the theater it's like well then the rest of the movie's in the theater so they just shoot all the stuff at the theater yeah. but then you do have the scenes where the girl is there before that yeah I wonder how that broke down, though, because there's different stories, you know? There's just so many people in that movie. So I wonder if they went like, okay, we're going to do all of like Brad Pitt up to the theater, then all of um, the French girl up to the theater, and all of the Nazis up to the theater, or how that broke down, you know? Because that, that would still be sequential. They just kind of mix it a little bit. But Yeah. That's wild. Again, don't want that job. And you know what? That's not that's not a movie with a sequel, so we're not allowed to talk about it. So Okay, well, I'll just touch on a couple of the actors in the movie. Um, Bruce Spence, who played the gyro captain, the guy who flew the, the, oh, little, the little flying contraption. Yeah. He's called the gyro captain. That's his name. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last movie, we had Toe Cutter. This movie, we got the gyro captain. Yeah. It what just more could keeps you ask better. For? So he's in Thunderdome. Which is the third Mad Max movie. Uh-huh. He's also just in a lot of TV movies and TV shows. He's also in Inspector Gadget 2. With Matthew Broderick? No. Matthew Broderick is not in Inspector Gadget 2. He's not in the sequel? Have you not seen it? Who's in the sequel? <laughs> I oh, don't know. It's, um, it's uh, Ernest. It's the guy who plays Ernest. Who's French that? French Stewart. French Stewart is Inspector Gadget 2. What is that? You know, like Ernest goes to the military. Ernest goes to camp. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that okay. guy. Um. I'm going to double check. No, don't double check because you're right. You're right. Wow. Okay. Thank Um, you. Thank you. Put in a pause here. Let me get through this. Um, (laughs) He's also in Finding Nemo. Oh, He plays Chum. Is that one of the fishes in the fish tank? I think it is. He's Chum? That's awesome. That's so cool. (laughs) Isn't that the little... um, Oh, man. I think he's the little guy that tries to eat all the algae and stuff in the tank with like Willem Dafoe and... And all, and then when Nemo's in the tank in the aquarium, it's been so long. I don't know. Oh, are you looking it up? I am. I am. But keep going. Keep. He's going. also in Ma- the Matrix Revolutions. Really? <laughs> He's got a good career. He's in Return of the King Extended Edition. <gasps> Do you know who Black Lieutenant is in Return of the King? No, I don't. Do you know uh, the only thing that would kind of make sense? Although the. It's a pretty big costume, so I don't know how you can really tell. But in the Return of the King, that guy that comes in front of the Black Gate in front of Mordor—that's the mouth of Sauron. Yeah. So it's oh, not so him. it would it would have said that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was I, thinking about that though. Chum. What a great character design. What? Oh yeah, the character design. I can't wait to talk. We we're, we're gonna actually when we get to Return of the King, we're gonna do like um three episodes. One's just gonna be the plot of the movie. The other's just gonna be um. Like the last 30 minutes of the movie. And then the other one's just going to be us talking about the mouth of Sauron, the coolest character design That's ever. That's not true. Okay. Uh, Chum, I had to look it up. Okay. And I'm glad I did because he's one of the sharks. Oh, okay. He's not that makes sense. With Bruce that's like, Brucey, sharks are friends, not yeah. food. He's he's this guy. The, the one with the crazy teeth. Okay, cool. That's pretty freaking cool. He's also in Re- Revenge of the Sith. 
Really? Who He's is he in? Tion Medon. Tion Medon. Here he is on his I, phone again. Wait, what's this guy's name? Bruce Spence. Bruce Spence. Okay. I was going to make a Jar Jar Binks joke and say that he was Jar Jar because he's kind of got a Jar Jar look about him. Yeah. But I thought that'd be kind of mean. Yeah, probably. Um, He's also in the movie Australia with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. What? Who, let me see. He's he's the guy who's on... Uh, he's on, Ew! He's on Utapau. So when... So when uh, Ewan, oh, that's pretty Ewan, cool, though. When Ewan McGregor shows up... On, no, that's cool. On on Utapau looking for General Grievous, he's the guy that pops up and walks over to him and says, he's here. That's a cool character. It's a cool design. It's hard to look at, but you can't kind of can't stop looking. Yeah, look him up. It's a, just right, Bruce Spence, Star it's got Wars. got a Hellraiser it's vibe. really cool. Okay, and then he's in Gods of Egypt, and then Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Wow, what a career I this know. guy has had. Uh, and then the guy who wears that. <laughs> this that, guy like, is so cool. He wears that like Friday the Thirteenth mask. Fred, it has the Jason. Pul- yeah, and has the pulsating scalp, like veins on his head. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just called the humongous. He only has a few acting credits. Oh, he is the mouth of Sauron. Are you serious? Yeah, I was right. You were right. Let me see. What? Why? Why is he called the Black Guard and Black and Lieutenant? IMDb? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I called it. You did. That's the coolest design. And remember Oh um, yeah, it's, it's Aragorn just unreal. stabs him in the face, right? Or does so he, he cut cuts off, off his, his head. head? Awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay, we gotta stop talking about it. <laughs> this is the Bruce Spence episode. <laughs> um and then Emil Minty, who is the boomerang kid. Okay. Only a few acting credits. Okay. Then you have Vernon Wells, who um is like the first boss ish because he's not the one in charge of the bad guys but he's like the first boss for mad max is he the red-haired guy red mohawk red dude. mohawk um oh my gosh i've been fighting a sneeze this whole time um he's in the movie weird science okay in 1985 a lot of power rangers playing ranzik uh super villain a lot we, of video- we looked up we looked up him before this started people and ranzik i love this motivation He's from the future. He's from the year 3000. I never watched uh, Power Rangers or anything. But his motivation is he goes back in time because uh, if I can't rule the future, I'm going to rule the past. Wouldn't Pretty that be cool. the present for him? Well, he, he's from the year 3000, so that'd be the present. Yeah. Or, I mean, if I can't rule the present, I'll rule the past. So okay. he goes back in time to rule the past. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. Um. Yeah, that's pretty freaking cool. And then... <laughs> <laughs> All these actors in, are um, so freaking awesome. He's in a lot of video games. Vo- oh, cool. Voicing for a lot of video games. And then it looks like he's in a lot of B-horror movies. Okay. Did, did What did you say the guy with the pulsating head? He only has a few acting credits. Oh, okay. You didn't, you didn't uh, like, expound upon his. He only has a few acting credits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and where's Gibson at right now? Um, I don't know. Oh, okay. I I, th- I don't want to look it up. <laughs> that's okay. Um, Listen to the last episode. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. He's just- still he's still like up and coming at this point in his career, though. I mean, like Mad Max did really well. Uh huh. But I I think that the second one is still like putting him out internationally. Okay. It's as if this movie is reminding people that there is this young guy named Mel Gibson. 
Yeah. And keep your eye out for him. Yeah. Oh, man. I had to look up who Bruce Spence was in Matrix, too. He's like a weird-looking homeless guy. Let me see. Not as cool as the other one. They should, you know what? They should make him, yeah, because he just kind of looks like himself. I mean, we, when we do that series, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in because I don't remember that movie. But um, they should just put him in every Star Wars movie. You know, a this, different character. I said last night we were watching that that the gyro captain, gyro captain is my MVP. Yeah, he's like he's MVP great. of Hollywood to me now. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that's just tickling me. He's so cool. Um, okay. So, let's talk about the movie. It opens up with this very cool thing where where it says it's there's a narration. Can I say something really quick? Yeah. The first movie is it kind of looks like post-apocalyptic like society's on this decline, but nothing's really like stated. Yeah. Um and it's you know shot in like the outback. So it's like everything already kind of looks like civilizations kind of going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But this movie tells you everything that's going on yeah, right in the beginning, which is kind of like, it feels almost like a slap in the face. Yeah. And this is, this is what I'm going to be pushing hard about these movies is, is, um, like an Indiana Jones or whatnot. Um, I, I really like how, you know, you can do a series where it's like the sequel is being set up or this uh, you know, there's a lot of chronology and there's a lot of mythos and you have to make sure, you know, like a Star Wars, you have to make sure you're not canceling anything out. And, yeah. And the movies, even the spinoffs, they haven't allowed themselves to just be like spinoffs that have nothing to do with the main story. Yeah. Like everything is very methodical. But I really like, and this movie sets starts this with the rest of them. It starts out, it shows Mad Max and this narrator says, the world is over. Everybody's fighting for the black fuel which they call oil the black fuel, which is already cool. And there's black and white footage of, like, wars. And then they say, we don't even remember what the wars were about. Mm-hmm. Great touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just so- showing this chaos and a couple of flashes back from the first movie, but nothing too much. And then it's just a completely... Um, it's a, it's a story that survives completely on its own and has it really doesn't have any connections to the other movies. Yeah. You could show this movie to someone first and they'd be fine. And I'll say this about all four of these movies. You can show any of them to someone and it can be their first movie of Mad Max and it's not going to diminish how they view the franchise. Yeah. I mean, the third movie's not that good. Yeah. So that would not, I wouldn't recommend showing them that. But um, it's just kind of cool. No one's, I feel like because of uh, Marvel. Every, every series now is like, well, everything has to be really planned out. We have to set up all of this stuff, which I think is very cool. Yeah. You know, when we saw Captain Marvel a few weeks ago, we were like, oh, that's so cool how they're setting up S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're setting up all this other stuff. But it is cool to watch Road Warrior and it's just a cool self-contained movie that has awesome stunts, a really cool story, a character that we know and love. But there's not that much character to him. He's like a mythical being. And it just kind of is. And then the next movie, it's a totally different adventure. Yeah. And I I just, I think that's cool. And I wish there was some more franchises that would take that leap. Like an episodic thing. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is on TV now. A lot of those yeah. kind of stories are. But even TV, I guess, maybe is turning more into 
like, well, now we have a chance to do a 13-hour movie instead of episodic. Well, that's like what Fargo did. Mm-hmm. Each season is different, but it's the same universe. Yeah, yeah. That's and a- True Detective. Yeah. I guess case closed. Case closed. Well, and I guess See that's you guys what, later. I mean, when we watch when we start watching the new Twilight Zone, I guess that's kind of the idea yeah. behind that too. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I I just think that's so cool, and and this establishes it right away where it's like the world is over, all this stuff, and then we were talking about how my theory on Mad Max is that he is not a human like you or I. He is like a mythical being, a folklorish character that patrols the outback of the apocalyptic uh, or post-apocalyptic Australian wastelands. And in this movie, they even say like they forgot the war. So you don't even know what time, how how much time there is between the two movies. Oh yeah, something we also said that was interesting. And just because they didn't say it doesn't mean it's not the case. But Mm -hmm. really the only environmental thing that has affected this is oil. Yeah. But it's not not so much that, like, did they say it was an oil shortage or it was just wars over it? Because it's like, it's not like, oh, we have no more water. The society is collapsed because there's no more water. Or like, all of the animals are dying, so we have no food. It's just like, it seems like society has just crumbled. Yeah. Just, it, just like, because of, of human error. Yeah, it seems to show... Because this is what you were saying. A lot of times movies have like a, and I'm not using agenda in a negative connotation right now, but they have like a um, naturalistic agenda. Yeah. So they're saying like the earth is dying or politics did this or that, which is usually very interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, but this movie kind of takes um, a, not a, what what is the word? Like not an apathetic approach, but... It's it's not concerned with how we got here. It's just concerned with being here. Yeah, and um, it kind of adds it's to like absurdist. this rant. absurdist. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's like the first movie does this too. The first movie even more probably. It's just like causing chaos for the sake of chaos uh-huh. because it's fun. Because it's like civilization is like not a thing anymore, and it's almost like people are bored, so they're just gonna terrorize other people. Yeah. Because what else are they going to do? Yeah. So, pretty cool. But there's a little bit more a little bit more order to this one because mm-hmm. there is a, a community, I would consider it one of the last civilizations, a community of people who are drilling oil and the, like, the bad guys are trying to get the oil. Yeah. But they're like guarding it. The, the, the bad guys are like, if you, like, we'll basically kill you if you don't give it to us. And they've already killed several of their people in their civilization, like, in their tribe, mm-hmm. basically. Like, we've already killed, they've already killed several of them. Um, and they're like, we'll give you one day to decide. And in all in that, uh, Mel Gibson, or Matt, or ugh, Max needs oil just like everyone else. And that's why he goes to the civilization asking for it. Yeah. And the, they're just kind of like, he, like, gives them, like, I'll help you if you give me as much oil as you can. Mm-hmm. To, like, he'll help them against the bad guys. Yeah. And it's just the the story is just, like, go, 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 go. It's so, it's just, like, there's not really a dull moment yeah. to me. It's so, it's so interesting. And then every single actor, part of it is how great the costumes are, but they're just, like, so committed to their character. Uh-huh. Which just makes the world so much better. Yeah, and and the movie 
is very clear cut on what is what. Yeah. Which is helpful in action movies to be that way. Um, like the bad guys, the 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 town that's drilling the oil, they they drive out some people and then the bad guys like kill this woman and rape her. Yeah. And and Mad Max is watching on these binoculars with the gyrocopter. Captain. Captain. Uh, and then um, they like pretty much kill this other guy, a- almost kill him. And so right away you're just like, okay, bad guys are really bad, pretty black and white. Well, they're literally, the good guys are wearing white, the and black the guys guy. are wearing black. Yeah, yeah, and then Mad Max is just kind of existing. Um, which they call out in the movie. Yeah, which is cool, because they're kind of like, why are you doing this? Well, so it gets to the point where they're like, okay, we're going to escape, it's going to work. Max, are you coming with us? And he's like, no. I, yeah. I don't belong to anyone. He's doing the Han Solo. Yeah, and, and he's like, well, what, are you just going to wander around out there? He's like, does We're, that make you happy? Yeah. And, goes, and then he does like, I think it's always a pretty interesting argument to me in stories. It's like, you think that your tragedies are worse than anyone else's. We've all lost our family. We've all lost people. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you more unique than me. We all need people to survive, mm-hmm. which is just like, dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but let's see what, what, what else do we got here? It It's this, like the other one, the plot is kind of a little bit hard to go like section by section. Um, you know, earlier in the movie, there's that flipped over oil tanker and he's just like collecting the oil mm-hmm. from it with like helmet and like metal plates and stuff, which is just kind of showing how desperate the world is. Yep. He's got probably one of the coolest dogs in cinema. This little blue healer. Yeah, that's that just dog is cool. Adorable. Who also dies like the dog in the first movie, which makes me think there's probably a dead dog in the third one too. I don't think there's any dead dogs in four. It's Thunderdome, Micah. No, but I mean oh, in four. four. So they did like a trilogy of dead dead dogs. Maybe I don't think there is a dog in the third movie. Okay, but there could be. Why um, not? And there's that great touch where he's kind of scoping out the camp with the oil, and he just whips open a can of dog food, mm-hmm. and then he just starts eating it, Mad mm-hmm. Max, and then he gives it to his dog. But what I kind of like is there's no like gagging or anything. It's just, again, world building. He's just sitting there like wolfing down the food, and he's not... He's not... Um, he doesn't have an opinion about if it's good or bad. Yeah, because he's just he, eating it. It's you, just, you can't have an opinion at that point. No. He just needs food. No, so he's just... But he also, like, he's, he's just not, like, it doesn't... He's not eating it like he's starving. Yeah. He's just eating it like he's eating a can of beans. Yeah. Which is just shows you, like, oh, he has done this a lot. Yep. Because he you can't say no to everything or to anything that's food. Yeah. Um, But the, the gyro captain, I loved the introduction to his character. His little propeller machine was just, like, parked. And then yeah. Mad Max was going to go see if he could get gas out of it. And... As he's trying to look, there's a snake on it. He grabs the snake, um, and the gyro captain jumps out of the ground. He buried himself. And did you notice that nice touch? He has tissues in his nose. Yeah. So yeah. that the sand doesn't get in his nose. I know. It was great. Cool. So he, he jumps out, and he's like holding Mel Gibson hostage, to which quickly Mel Gibson's holding him hostage. Yeah. And he's able to capture him. But uh, how long was he there, do you think? Where? In that ground. Oh, I don't know. Hours? Days? I bet hours. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... that's All that stuff is cool. The 
I really like the boomerang kid. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, there's this little. They call him fer- the feral kid, right? And he he has like tunnels under the the compound. He's from the compound, like the the good guys. And he tunnels out, and he throws a boomerang and stuff, and like kills some of the bad guys. Yeah. And, and he the, the and kid the never says a word. Comes right back. He's he's basically like, what's the kid's name in the Flintstone? Oh, I don't know. He reminds me of that kid. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna kill me. But anyway, like he he just he doesn't say any words. He's Kind of looks like a little little Neanderthal kid. Yeah, yeah. But um, and he, yeah, I wonder if they're going for like a de like devolving. Oh, interesting. Idea with him because he's he doesn't speak and he's like ah ah yeah. Ooh. And he's always eat, he's eating bananas. No, that's and- not true. They don't have bananas in there. <laughs> yeah, not in not in Australia. <laughs> and that's our podcast. No, uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the thing about these movies too is because they're such action-based movies it's like you have to you have to go watch them yeah they're so great like the just the last scene the when mel gibson's driving the the big oil tanker that whole scene is just carnage and cars being like ripped to shreds and it's just nuts yeah comedians and cars getting ripped to shreds yeah uh a lot of people getting run over by cars that you see that's just kind of like you it yeah. happens so quickly that you're like did that really happen it 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 truly is insane um one one thing i want to cuz this is a car franchise uh he's driving a ford falcon xbgt okay i i i could, i didn't want to forget to add that um but his okay so he leaves the tankers or he, they they're like we're going to take this tanker because when he brings back the guy um, who is almost dying, mm-hmm. he says, I know I can get you guys a rig that will be able to carry this oil out of here so you guys can escape to this utopia you're talking about if you just give me all the oil I can fit in my car. And they agree to it. He gets the tank. There's a nice chase scene. Um, or he gets the semi truck. Um, do you guys hear that ambulance? It's a fire truck. Okay. Um uh, so he does that, and then he rides away, and then he's attacked by um, Mr. Red Mohawk, mm-hmm. and he crashes his car. That's when they kill his dog. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to the compound, and he goes, after after the helicopter guy saves him, the gyro captain. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then you realize in that scene that that helicopter is real. Yep. Because you're actually seeing it flying around, which is unreal <laughs> that's yeah, crazy i know um because again all of these stunts are real stunts it's it's so mind-blowing um so you see that he gets back and then he goes i'm gonna drive the tanker mm-hmm. and he does and they start driving and then you have this like 15 20 minute car chase that's these people are jumping off of cars onto this oil tanker they're jumping into his cab he's throwing them out um the there's a couple cars that crash into other things and and explode into a million pieces um and then then that oil tanker flips over you find out they had done it with sand so that all the other parts of the crew could get away they'd filled it with sand am i making sense yep uh but it's just some of the most intense that last 20 minutes is 
the price of admission alone. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on. It's so impressive. It is so insane. And and it's actually, I think, if you watch it today, it, it's still that scene. Some of the other stuff doesn't hold up as well. Um, I still like it. I think it's fun. But that scene in particular is still like, no way. Yeah. Now, I know they raise the stakes with Fury Road quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this this is where you go like, I mean, they, they basically take that scene from Road Warrior and George Miller says, what if we made the entire movie that scene Yeah. and made it two hours long? Yeah. And they did it successfully and it's awesome. But that is just mind blowing. Uh, that whole sequence, we were we had our jaws open a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at my notes and see if I have anything else about the specifics and you can hit whatever you want there. Well, I guess the movie ends. He doesn't end up going with the people. He he goes his own way. Yeah. So even though, I mean, he that guy has that conversation with him, like, why wouldn't you come with us, all this stuff? Max does end up helping them, not to get anything out of it. Because, you know, the first time they make a deal, mm-hmm. the second time they're like, what do you want when he offers to help? And he's like, I just want to drive the truck. That's all he wants. Uh-huh. So... It, that's a pretty big character development but it does end with like he is a loner yeah like, even though he helped people like at the end he helped them um is it altruistically like helped them to help them not to get anything out of it yeah he still ended up just being like but i'm going to go my own my own way yeah what is he does he end in another vehicle does he get another vehicle at the it end just of the showed movie? that shot with him on the road that i feel like they reused either from the beginning of the movie so I'm yeah. not totally sure, but I mean, I'm sure he finds another car. Oh, oh, and then we find out the narrator is the feral kid grown up. Yes. So he did learn to speak, I guess. Yes. Um, And he he says, like, we never saw him again. And I... He, he just lives on in our memories. Yep, that's what I was going to say, which is very cool. Again, he's a myth. He's a folklore. He's the this Australian character that patrols the countryside. So cool. It's It's very cool. And he's not... He's really not, like good and he's not really bad either he's he lives right in the middle it's very odd mm-hmm. um but i mean that's 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 mad max too. road warrior uh wow we're running pretty short but I, this is kind of like just go watch the movie <laughs> you well, should yeah, you got to yeah you you do need to watch the movie if you haven't it's it's really great um so yeah i guess next next week we're doing beyond thunderdome and do a couple of things before in preparation for this. I mean, watch the first two Mad Maxes. Watch the third one as well. So you know that w- what we're talking about. Because Thunderdome is going to get a little weird. Thunderdome you, is weird. But also, go and watch Return of the King. The moment when the mouth of Sauron comes out of the Black Gate. And just marvel at the spectacle that is Bruce Spence and the coolest character makeup I might might have ever seen. He might and be as a, the coolest in Lord of the how Rings. How old were we when that movie came out? Uh, I think we were sixth graders. Okay, because I mean, I like... 2005, right? It freaked me out. Oh, it's scary. But it also was just like, I can't look away. This is yeah. so cool. It, it's awesome. amazing. Um, uh, and... Tr- and Come on, guys. It's time to rewatch Return of the King. Even if you've watched it a week ago, it's time again. 
Yeah, I we we gotta jump on those movies again. I know, but we gotta finish this up first. Yeah. When are we? Oh yeah, have we announced what we're doing after Mad Max? Should we announce that? Well, the second phase of the. It's the second phase of Marvel. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if we've said that before. So we're breaking up the Marvel into the the phases so that you and most definitely we don't get tired of Marvel because yeah. I'm in the sweet spot and rewatching this Marvel where I'm enjoying it right now mm-hmm. and I don't want to hate it again. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad we still have, you know, two more Mad Maxes to go, which might take us a little bit to get through. Um, not because they're not enjoyable, but just because of the way our schedules have been lately. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to get like really excited to revisit those Phase Two movies. Yeah, because it's been a while. Yeah, so it's we're right in that sweet spot. So, and then if it takes us a little more time, then it'll be like, oh, I can't wait to watch Iron Man three. You know. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to that point in the Marvel where we can discuss more the 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 the. Uh, series within the bigger series. Yeah. You know? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, boy. We got a lot of co- good coming. But next week, we're not just going to the Dome. We're not just going to the Thunderdome, but we're going beyond the Thunderdome. So come with us. Thank you. Rate, review, subscribe. Tom. From MySpace. <laughs> Dot com. Okay. Is it coffee on the